Law Focus Podcast. Law Focus, handing you your rights. It's Vow FM 88.1 and you're sitting on the Versa Shirendan. Welcome to Law Focus, the show with the staunch focus on the law. This is your point of legal information. And by the way, I'm going to be your voice of law for the evening and nothing short of the guardian of the law. I mean, Section 25 of the Constitution, the clause that has a negative protection to property, um, is, is, has come under fire in terms of everyone needs it to be amended. You know, Section 25, uh, subsection 1, paragraph A, provides that um, that there, there shall be no arbitrary deprivation of property in, in South Africa. Right? And it says that no law may, may, may permit this arbitrary depri- deprivation. And, and when you go to subsection 2 of that particular section 25, it provides that property may be expropriated. Right? So it, it does give government the right to expropriate property. And goes on to say, he's subject to a law of general application, firstly, and secondly, for a public purpose or in the public interest. Now, fundamentally, what is going to be the discussion of this evening or what is going to underpin the discussion of this evening is that it must be subject to compensation and that, that amount um, has to be just and equitable and, and can be agreed upon by the parties. And when you go on to subsection 3, it, it, it gives you factors that need to be considered and before you determine this amount of compensation that wishes to be paid when this land is expropriated. Now, law focus listener, you will note uh, that, for example, the, the ANC or the ANC sourcing from from the Freedom Charter, it has sought for land to be brought back to the hands of the of the as they say the rightful owners. Well, rightful owners does not necessarily mean lawful owners. It just purely it's the political political term for those who deserve it because they've been dispossessed uh, in a certain time, and and. One of the most best speakers, uh, Julius Malema, speaks about how land was dispossessed through the Natives Land Act. It was dispossessed through the Black Administration Act. And he goes through the systemic, uh, uh, systemic legal structures that which have dispossessed black people of land and denied them property ownership for so many years, since, probably since 1913. And, and for that reason, he calls that Section 25 should be amended uh, section 25, particularly section, subsection 2, should be amended that expropriation should occur w- without compensation. It does not provide a condition uh, that subject to the following reasons or subject to the following conditions. This purely says that um, it has to be expropriated without compensation. Right? Now, that is going to, be the, that is going to underpin the discussion for this evening. Um, and for that discussion, we will be speaking to uh, Jackie Dugard. Um, Professor Jackie Dugard, probably one of the most strongest legal uh, voices in, 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 in the legal space, is an academic, has dealt with this matter. We'll also be listening to some of the views that which EFF has conversed through uh, the, the, the commander-in-chief uh, in that regard. So, law focus listener, should expropriation occur without compensation? Should expropriation occur without compensation? Or rather, should we find other mechanisms that which can advance land reform? You need to understand that we do have a legislative framework, that is the Expropriation Act. We do, we do also have a framework under Section 25 that provides for land reform. In Section 25, 5 and 6, it provides for redistribution, it provides for um, restitution and so forth. But anyway... Before we start the show, we start the show with the legal hot stories of this week. Here are the legal hotspots. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week. It's legal hotspots. For this evening, uh, with the legal hotspots, we are looking at one of the major issues. AfriForum has actually brought um, cor- corruption uh, uh, cases against the National, uh, National Prosecuting Authority. We are looking into that matter. It's a very interesting matter. We're looking at how... The court has ruled that actually banks can sell houses for next to nothing. Uh, I, I mean, that's a very interesting uh, headline there by Ohene Yo. Uh, we're also looking at at the DTI and the validity of the Copyright Commission report and how they, they actually stand by the report that which is released by the Copyright Review Commission uh, uh, with regards to how royalties, has been ha- how royalties of artists have been handled and so forth. 
Now, in the first story, it 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 it, it befits mentioning that Afri Forum. Um, has filed criminal charges against the National Director of Public Prosecutions, that is, um, Mr. Sean Abrams, and six other senior members of the National Prosecuting Authority uh, on the 11th of April, that they have re- because AfriForum has received um, an anonymous letter containing detailed allegations of serious misconduct. Law focus listener, you will remember that AfriForum is actually a, 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 right now a private a private prosecution. Um, as a private, private prosecution body, and it's probably one of the first. Um, and, and right now they are suing another prosecuting authority, which is a national one, which is a public one. Uh, they say that the allegations include that um, Sean Abrahams has u- is used the witness protection vehicle for personal benefit and has actually funded fraudulent uh, 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 travel claim from four other NPA members. So the, the, the head of AfriForum's anti-corruption unit, Monique Tote, said that the grave nature of the allegations warranted investigation and they therefore requested the police to look into the matter. Uh, these allegations are very serious and I think that um, it, 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 it lies at the heart of, 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 our, of our constitution to actually look into them. The next story is about how a court, the Pretoria High Court judgment, which was handed down on, second, second of, on the 22nd of March 2018, has actually ra- raised the question of whether the bank should be allowed to sell the debtor's home for an amount that is at least equivalent to the outstanding debt or to sell the property at any price. Um, when you look at, for example, credit, in credit security, you'll remember that there is a principle that which was referred to as commissarium in the Betty. And that principle says, stated that uh, when one has a lien over a property or when the property is, is in a form of a mortgage bond, before the property can be sold for the proceeds of the credit itself of, or to, to, get, to cover the principal obligation, uh, it, we need a court order. But rather the court order itself should state that there may be other forms that wish that debt can be paid. Unless if that debt is, is so humongous that the debtor, cannot, the, the debtor cannot pay it and therefore as a result, hence the, the, the property can be attached for, for auctioning. But rather, this judgment actually takes a different view. It says that it has dismissed the challenge against the constitutionality of certain rules uh, which enable the home of a debtor to be sold without a reserve price. Um, so the background of the issue is, is purely that um, Mr. Given Nkwane obtained a home loan from Standard Bank in September 2011 for an amount of 380,000 rand and had a mortgage bond uh, which he registered in the favor of that, of that bond. So, in essence, there was a principal, principal obligation of 380,000 rands, and there was also the credit itself, and therefore the house has served as a security, right? And so he defaulted on this home loan, and for the rest of that year, he, he continued to default, and only managed to make some of his payments intermittently. And so, as a result, this matter was brought before the court to state that, in actual fact, this man has failed to pay this debt, and we need, to, we need a sale of execution. And that house was sold to 40, at 40,000 rands. Imagine from the value of first minus 500,000 rands. And so the court um, had to determine whether this particular rule or clause in the contract was, was constitutional and actually stated that it was not unconstitutional. I think this matter will be, will be appealed in the court and I think the, the, the constitutional court is, is not actually going to uphold this judgment um, to the extent that there, there could have been many other ways that which um, this, this could be settled. Finally, the DTI stands by the validity of the Corporate Commission report to the extent that it states that um, collecting societies had no challenges with the CRC report until recently in 2018. The DTI stands by the validity of the report and affirms that the work conducted was extensive and affected many stakeholders in the music industry as well as the international best practice. Now, the fundamental issue in this case is that there was was a challenge to the methodology of of the Copyright Commission report but rather the DTI is stating that in actual fact there are no issues. Um, those are the legal hotspots for this week. Yeah. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the top of, the stories of the week. It's legal hotspots. Welcome back to Law Focus, your point of legal information. You're still speaking to Basil Sherinda, your guardian of the law for the evening. We're still speaking land expropriation today and I think uh, this, this is the, one of the banning issues uh, currently uh, in our society, the the fundamental aspect of of this issue is that people would like to see land expropriated without compensation. Now, 
Law focus listener, you will remember that the constitution once had a vehicle under section 25, subsection 6, of, of, of which uh, provided for or subsection 7 rather, which provided that a person or community dispossessed of property after 19 June 1913 as a result of past racially discriminatory laws or practices rather, and, and please pay, pay attention to this aspect, is entitled to the extent provided by an act of parliament either to restitution of the property or to equitable redress. Now this means that if you were, if your ancestors were, 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 were dispossessed of property in 1913 by the Native Lands Act and the Black Administration Act and therefore denied ownership to their own property and, and had to be force, forcefully removed through violence or anything of that nature, then therefore you are entitled to equitable redress, either market value of that property or rather that, uh, that, pro- that property is, is returned to you in whatever form you prefer. But now, what happened is that there was an act of parliament referred to as the Land Restitution Act. And in that list, Land Restitution Act, as you would know, evidentiary burden was placed on whoever who asserted that this was this is my ancestor's property. And so because of that, this vehicle actually ended up failing. And it ended up failing dismally because people had to go to court to go and prove that, oh, actually this land was owned by my great-great-great-grandfather in 1913. And imagine if you have to do that in 2006 or 2008. It's even worse when you have to do it in 2018. But luckily, um, the first call the first call ended in 1999. So currently, I have it on good authority that currently there is no vehicle to go and claim for land under Section 25.7. So now we, we are going to touch on the failure of that, but also how the failure of that has led to the call for land expropriation without compensation meaning that people are saying you know what it has failed so therefore we'd rather expropriate land without compensation uh, because of these past racially discriminatory uh, views so maybe that's, that's a doctrinal change so we'll get experts to, uh, to speak on that um, we're going to listen to uh, Julius Malema as to how he speaks about a motion that he pushes in parliament as to how this expropriation without compensation should okay you're still listening to law focus colonial crimes against Humanity of native population did not end there with the Land Act of 1930. They continued through the forced removals of the Group Areas Act that displaced millions of black people to live in prison camps we now call township. The so-called township is not a settlement of human beings, it's a prison camp. The need for the land that was dispossessed through a brutal crimes against humanity. The time for reconciliation is over. Now is the time for justice. We do not seek revenge, though they caused so much evil in our land. We do not wish to for their suffering, though they caused so much humiliation of countless generations. All we want, all our people ever wanted, is their land to which their dignity is rooted and founded. Let us come together and agree on this noble, historic, and human call to expropriate land without compensation for equal redistribution. No, we must distribute the land. Then we can all talk about food security program. Those who are saying we must pay for the land are actually arguing us that we must thank those who killed our people. We want to say to the ANC, it is now an opportune moment since you have agreed in your conference to amend the constitution. So we need to amend the constitution and we must do so unashamedly. It is not unconstitutional to amend the constitution. We must stop being cowards. We must stop egg working around the white minorities who are governed by the fear of the unknown when it comes to the question of land expropriation without compensation. The investors of this, in this country just want a policy certainty. Once we say we are expropriating without compensation, there is no investor who will leave the country. They will look at our policy and say, how do we continue to make money within the expropriated land? And that was Julius Malema making an argument there why uh, amending the constitution is not going to have adverse consequences on us as a country or on, on our investment landscape. And I think there are many who would disagree with him on that, who disagree with him on, 
on on how expropriation without without compensation is going to have adverse effects on our on our international space uh, that is the, the bilateral bilateral investment treaties that we have signed and all of the investment contracts that we have signed with with invest investors but rather um the Democratic Alliance opposed this motion. Um, the DA leader, Ms. Musi Maimani, laid his argument against the motion in which uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa actually replies. <laughs> Listen to this. Mr. President, I agree with you. Mm. There is a deep injustice in South Africa as far as land ownership and safety amongst black South Africans. Mm. The pace has been profoundly slow. And I think former President Kalema Motante, in his high-level panel review, agrees. But he cites the fact that the problem is not the Constitution. The problem is corruption, an incapable state, a lack of budget, and your government. What President Kalema Motante and Dikhang Moseneke agree is that amending the constitution is not where we ought to start and that's why Herman Mashaba must test the clauses in that constitution to show he can deliver. You, Mr. President, are a recent convert to expropriation without compensation and you've proceeded now to say against international experience that in fact you can expropriate without compensation it's clear countries that have done that investment goes down unemployment goes up life expectancy suffers and it harms the very poor people we are describing so here's my question to you mr president how do you reconcile your newfound view with this view that you can either have expropriation without compensation or in fact a growing economy that empowers citizens to own property in their rights. You can't have both. Tell us, please. It's quite clear that the Honorable Maimani is not listening. He clearly is not listening. Clearly, what we are talking about is not within the great understanding that he has. Because what we are saying is what the governing party resolved on. And it says, let me repeat, that in order to advance land reform in our country, we should embark on a number of mechanisms and the taking of land without compensation is one of those mechanisms that we are going to want to use. Now, the process of doing so, clearly, the, the governing party has said we want to have a broad discussion. A broad discussion, yes, we should also look at whether we should amend the Constitution or not. And that is why this House said we should set up the Constitutional Review Committee and through that re Constitutional Review Committee, we should determine whether to put, to give effect to this resolution, yes, a constitutional amendment needs to take place or not. But at the same time, that resolution says, we are going to make sure that as we implement this resolution, we become very clear on how we are not going to damage our economy, and how we are not going to damage food production in our economy and food security. Now, with that in place, we should be able to make a great deal of progress. Now, Honorable Maimani, I've been having a number of discussions with a number of people, some of them who are property owners, who have said, Mr. President, we think that land is a huge problem in our country and we are prepared to join you in resolving this problem. A number of farmers have said, yes, we, what this calls for is that we should give access to South Africans who do not have land. South Africans who want to work the land but find that they do not have the land. And a couple of them have come forward to say, 
I have inherited a lot of land and I have found that quite a lot of it lies fallow. I do not use it. I have bought a lot of land and I find that I do not use all this land. The land is lying fallow, some of the farmers have said, and what we want to do, they have said to me, is to find ways, and they say, give us a way through which we will be able to assist you as government to give access to people who do not have land so that they can work the land. And I have found this to be really welcome. So welcome that it begins to depart from the noise that one is hearing on the left because these are people who are not listening. And we as people who are propertied, who have land, are prepared to share so that all of us can benefit. Law Focus, point, point of information. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Welcome back to Law Focus. And you're still sitting with Basil Shirinda and I'm getting law for the evening. As, as it always goes, uh, we are your point of legal information and we try our best to bring this legal argument straight to your ear. Now, after listening to President uh, Cyril Ramaphosa there, and you, it, it, brings us, it brings one back to the fundamental issue, the economy. You know, we're still living under the shadow of Zimbabwe here. You understand? There's so much that we need to learn from what they went through. You know, Sir Ramaphosa is saying to us, yes, fair enough, we can expropriate as long as we are cognizant, cognizant of balancing the rights to dignity of the people that which were dispossessed in the past or the dignity of black people who don't own land and is, it's in the hands of, of a minority that which uses force and white monopoly capital and so forth and so forth. And at the same time, while balancing that, we also have to make sure that we don't harm our agriculture, food security, and all of those other rights. And listening to to the DA leader there, you also get a sense that there's no radical, there's no radical voice, there's no radical change in his voice. Uh, because all of the things that he may, he's mentioning now are the things that have been mentioned in 1994, are the things that have been mentioned in 2000, and the things that have been mentioned in 2004. So clearly he's not looking to make a, a, a drastic change. Um, if, if one reads Elamin uh, Duplessis, uh, one of the professor's uh, adverts, she, she also highlights on, on how there was a failure in land reform because of the mechanism that which, that which was adopted, but also how it required so much evidence from people. So it boils down to the failure of our, of our jurisprudence in Section 25.6. And because of that failure, now we are at a point where there is a need for, to do something. And hence we are moving to Section 25.2. But the truth is land reform was placed as a mandate under Section 25.6 and under Section 25.7. And also transformation under Section 25.5. So one realizes that, yes, there was a need to transform an open room for people to have land, um, and, that, and which is what is referred to as equitable redress under Section 25.5. There was a need for that. There was a need to redistribute land and place it in the hands of, of or, or rather find a balance um, in race and in gender and so forth. And that was not done, or at least if it was done, it was not done at the quantity that which is, expect, is expected or is found to be appropriate by society. So redistribution has failed, transformation has failed, land reform has failed. So now we are at a point where we are saying, let's expropriate without compensation in the public interest. So if we expropriate without compensation, that means that we are open, opening a public fund where now black people who have been dispossessed in the past can have access to it and have uh, their own access to wealth. How that will, 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 will play out in, in, in practice is a story for another day, but doctrinally, that's what Julius Malema is calling for, Black First Land Fest is calling for, and many other academics out there uh, who are for that. And then there are those who are against it, who are saying, no, in actual fact, we can still reach the same goal in a different way, Right. We can use the mechanism that is provided by Section 25.3 
And by using that mechanism, we can get to a point where we are able to expropriate and not pay hefty compensation or not pay compensation at all. And I understand that the latter will require a lot of elaboration. And I think Professor Jackie Dugard will assist us in that. Um, so we we there is there is there is a lot of there is a lot of energy around this thing. And and law focus listener, it is it is it is between me and you to to put our minds together. Um, and, and speak about how if we were to expropriate land without compensation, where are we going to be internationally? Because then we are breaching a customer international laws which require that you need, to, you, you, need to, you need to compensate if you're going to expropriate. So if we're going to breach customer international law, where are we placing ourselves in terms of our bilateral investment treaties that have been signed by the country, uh, our investment contracts, where are we placing ourselves in the WTO? And all of these things in context, but rather, if even if you come domestically, that means that we are. How how is that mechanism going to be implemented to pay attention to the slight nuances? And I think that that question probably can be answered better by our by, by the committee that is looking at, at the constitutional review, and because they are looking for. They're looking to answer a couple of questions, and that is how does Section 25 inhibit the land reform project? And if it does, then what needs to be corrected in order for it not to do so? And then the second question would rather be, should we amend expropri- uh, uh, Section 25 to read expropriation without compensation? And, and isn't there any other mechanism that we can use to achieve the same thing? Right? Um, but anyway... Uh, to have to have a hefty discussion on Section 25, to or rather Section 25 in general, uh, on the line we have Professor uh, Jackie Dugard. Uh, professor Jackie Dugard is a professor at the Vets University. She's a co-founder of the Social Economic Rights Institute. Her CV goes on and on, but she's been quite vocal on Section 25. Professor, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Basil Sharinda. So um, please feel feel free to call me Basil, Professor. You have... Um, feel free to call me Jackie. Oh, should I call you Jackie? <laughs> yes. Okay, how are you, Jackie? Good, good, thank you. Welcome to Law Focus. Thank you very much. I mean, you, 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 have, you, have, to, you have written extensively on Section 25, especially in relation to restitution and land reform. But you've also written a lot on expropriation with compensation and all of the factors that are, that are in Section 25.3. But there is this view that you express. You say that there isn't a need to amend Section 25 to, in actual fact, we can reach zero compensation. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that um, I think the Constitution is actually, and particularly Section 25, is actually an incredibly clever um, piece of legal drafting because what it allows is for politics to fill the spaces. And... What, what I always say to people is let's imagine you had a radical or transformative, truly transformative government. What would be the problems in Section 25? Is there any obstacle in Section 25 to radical or transformative change? And to me, it seems that there isn't. Because to me, it seems that, for example, Section 25.3 says that the amount of compensation and the time and manner must be just and equitable. Um, bearing in mind the relevant circumstances, and then it says including, and of course in law, in, whenever you see including, that means it's not it's not a closed list. It's an exhaustive. Um, but including the current use of the property, the history of the acquisition and use of the property, the market value, yes, that comes in, but only as a third thing. The extent of direct state investment, that means the extent of subsidies, um, the purpose of the expropriation. So all of these things should be considered and considered um, properly. So, for example, we know that the extent of direct state investment is almost never, if ever, considered. What does this mean? This means that if in the past farmers got... Um, massive subsidies from the apartheid government um, in order to to prop up uh, their farms, that should be subtracted. Mm. Otherwise, it's not just inequitable for them to get market value. Um, so each of these things should be properly considered. And, and what I would argue is that if you properly consider them all, you could reach zero or very close to zero compensation. And legally speaking, if you've been through this process, I think that would be just an equitable compensation. In other words, 
even zero compensation could be just an equitable compensation if you've gone through the process of considering all of the relevant factors. Now, the reality is that this is um, almost never slash never done, um, but that's a political question more than anything else. And I heard you speaking um, earlier about the failures, and I think we have to be very honest and admit that we have a lot of failures and that uh, land restitution, land redistribution, land reform have all failed. But we have to ask, why is that? Is that a legal problem or is it a political problem? And I would argue that it is 100% a political problem. I would argue that with the way Section 25, 2 and 3 and the rest of Section 25 is formulated, you could pursue um, a radical uh, transformation uh, around land um, in in a, in a way um, that would that would align with the legal requirements here, and you wouldn't have to change the constitution. I mean, um, Jackie, one of the things that um, pop up quite a lot is that um, our our people have been dispossessed, and I'm quoting, our people have been dispossessed, our people have been violated, and therefore as a result, there's a need for us to, to, to claim back this land. But wouldn't we say that that was actually provided by Section 25, um, six, Section 25.7, which provided for, for, for dispossession that occurred in 1913, um, to, to, and those people needed to be given back their land? So... Why are we? Why is there a need for us to to amend Section Twenty Five Two and not focus on making that work on on making Section Twenty Five Six work? I don't oh, know seven. If, seven. You sorry. were speaking of seven. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think it is important, and uh, to to and maybe some of the listeners won't be aware of this, but um, Section Twenty Five Seven relates to restitution. Now, restitution is a specific process that relates to people who are dispossessed. Mm. after 1913 pursuant to racially discriminatory laws and practices that restitution process which is governed by the restitution of land rights act that process is closed it closed in on the 31st of december 1998 so and in fact the land claims commission is still working through those claims and according to the high level group report um, of Halema montlante It'll take another 35 years to, to finalize all of the claims um, that were made before that cutoff date. So as things stand currently now, there is no way to make a land restitution claim. And those claims only relate to people who are dispossessed. Now, uh, uh, dispossessed by colonial apartheid. Mm. There is another question here. What about people who were not, who cannot um, point to or who were not dispossessed? Mm. Um, and therefore could never have claimed restitution. What about people who were disadvantaged by uh, colonial apartheid but were not actually dispossessed of land? Mm. Section 25.7 doesn't help those groups of people, um, whereas the other sections of the Constitution are meant to. So the sections that you were talking about that relate to land reform and land redistribution and expropriation in order to affect land reform and land redistribution, those sections of the Constitution, including Section 25.5, which says that the state must take reasonable legislative and other measures to foster conditions which enable citizens to gain access to land on an equitable basis, mm. including that, um, all of those sections of the Constitution are supposed to propel the government to move towards distribution and land, uh, land distribution and land reform. Again, of course, we have real failures of these programs by the government. Um, but again, I would ask, is that a political question or a legal question that we have to um, sort of point to? Because I, I, what, 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 what come, comes out from BLF and what comes out from the EFF is that actually it's a legal question. They, they honestly think it's a legal question that once we've amended, uh, but then, then we can move into expropriating. But what, then, what is the doctrinal question? Because it seems like they are muddling up Section Twenty Five Two with Section Twenty Five Seven to say that. I think as, they are. Okay. I think there is. Sorry to interrupt. I think there no. is a lot of mud and confusion. And I also think the real question for me is how are you going to assess? First of all. Um, who are you going to give land to? One of the reasons that um, the high-level group uh, report, again, I'm, I'm referring to the, the report of Halemo Montlante and his team from November last year, 
One of the things that they point to um, as being reason for the failure of land restitution is that you have conflicting, multiple conflicting claims. And this is not surprising because you're talking about unscrambling a history in which many different groups of people at different times um, possessed the land and were dispossessed at different points, um, not only by colonial and apartheid um, authorities. So what you what you have literally got is generations of different ancestors and bones and histories and important histories and, and very emotional histories on the same piece of land. And so you've got conflicting claims. How? How is it possible to unravel the past and unscramble it without a framework that considers each claim very carefully in terms of the equities and the fairness and the history and the use um, in the way that the Constitution sets out meticulously? I actually don't know how one would assess these claims. It's also important to state that Expropriation is a normal tool of government outside of historical dispossession like we have in South Africa, where, for example, if the state wants to create a a road or a dam and they they do so in the public interest, this creates a framework for them to do that as well. So what happens now to Mrs. Butelezi, who's just got a piece of land and now the, the government says, no, no, we need to build a road there. Now, is her land just going to simply be taken and given to somebody else? Um... So there's a whole matrix of things that have to be considered. And also, I think you, you are right to point to the fact that there may be a, a sort of a collapse um, in some of the critique of these different categories of what, we, what we're looking at, whose land, for whom, for what, and how. How is the, the real question that hasn't been answered yet? Is the how. Uh, Jackie? Yes, sorry. Um. Yeah. So, and and another thing that that comes out is actually, and and I think that it, it I think Gilos Malima comes from a good place with regards to, and I'm not touching on land grabs that much, but I, I I'm just talking about how he speaks about, in his view, it is in the public interest that people should be given, uh, rather expropriation should or care should or care to to the advantage of people to get uh, housing or homes. Um, what's your view on that? So uh, one of the things that I've seen that the um, ANC has been um, thinking about um, since its resolution in December is that what about urban housing and what about um, simply making land available that the state owns? Because one of the issues is that while it is true that when you look at um, individually owned land, land owned by individuals in South Africa, you still see a horrible legacy of of, um, dominance of white-owned land. But that only accounts for 33% of South Africa's land. So only 33% of South Africa's land is owned by private individuals. The rest, 67%, is owned by the state, traditional authorities, companies, uh, community property associations. So the state owns quite a bit of land, and I see that the ANC is now looking at that state-owned land. For example probably the vast majority of informal settlements are on state-owned land because if it was private land, probably the private landlords would have moved now to evict people. So the, one, of the, one of the issues is what, why not just hand over title to informal settlers on, on that state-owned land? So I know this is something that the ANC is considering and I think it is something that is extremely important. I think the EFF is raising a very critical issue is the lack of housing. So this is another thing I think we have to talk about. To what extent are we talking about land um, being returned to people who are historically dispossessed and this being about justice of historical dispossession? Or to what extent are we talking about economic opportunity, housing, jobs, um, location uh, closer to cities, um, and indeed, to what extent should we rather be talking about um, distribution in the form of wealth rather than land? So these are some of the, the complexities that I think we haven't yet begun to scratch. Hmm. I mean, yeah, those are, those are three deep uh, issues. I mean, also looking at Section 25.8, uh, land reform? Well, so Section 25.8 is one which is hardly ever mentioned. And yeah. I would say that if you, if, if you thought that... 
um, like I do, but everything else in Section 25 gives um, a radical government a, a good template for pursuing a coherent strategy of land reform and land transformation, then I think Section 25.8 gives you even more power if you were um, a government who wanted to do that. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not only mentioned there. It's also mentioned uh, in, 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 in defining what public interest is. Um, the, the, the yes, it's very clear. The Constitution makes it very clear that the public interest includes land reform um, and also more than it, it, it obviously makes the point that property goes beyond land and deals with mineral wealth, etc. And we have had large-scale reform of mineral rights in the form of the Minerals and Petroleum Resources Development Act. Um, so, and, and indeed, in terms of water, in terms of the National Water Act. So both of those acts effectively made the state the guardian, the custodian of, of um, water and of um, natural resources. You know, I'm asking this question because um, the DA leader, Musi Maimani, actually touches on this. He says, in actual fact, we shouldn't be amending Section 25-2. We should rather be looking at land reform and strengthening it. Uh, from a doctrinal perspective, what would be your view? Yes, well, as I say, I, I think that everything is there. I think that if you were a genuine government who wanted to prioritize land reform, land redistribution, everything you need is there in Section 25 to provide a really coherent and fair um, process. Uh, I, I don't. In fact, it's to me, I, 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 it's a mystery what would be amended because I think actually everything is here. All the tools are here. And then you have to ask yourself if that's the case: is more law going to resolve the question, or shouldn't we rather be mobilising around progressive politics and around making sure we have the correct politics? Hmm. Good question. And lessons from Zimbabwe. Well, I, I think it's very tricky to, it's always tricky to have lessons from another country, um, whatever that country may be. I think South Africa has a very specific history and I think we have a very specific um, future to forge together. I suppose there are people that would say that the lesson from Zimbabwe is trying to do these things in a coherent way. Um, I, I think the lessons are still unfolding from Zimbabwe. I think it's too early to say. Um, I suppose that one of the things that we should be really thinking about in all of this, and I heard you speaking about it earlier, is food security. Um, it, it, and it is, it is sit, sitting there in the Constitution in terms of the consideration of the current use of the property. And I think that where land is used for um, agricultural food crops, etc., and, and in a productive way, then, you know, one has different considerations to where the land is used as a holiday home, uh, mm. an occasional holiday home. And I, th I think that these things all need to be considered precisely in the public interest. What, how do we balance these various public interests? And like I was saying previously, I don't know how we do all of these things outside of the kind of framework you have already in Section 25. Mm. You know, uh, uh, Professor, we, we learned a lot in a short space of time. That is Professor Jackie Tugar, who's an associate professor of law at Vets University. And he, she's also uh, in the Vets University uh, Sexual Harassment Office. And she's been there for three years. She's also a co-founder of the Social Economic Rights Institute. Um, professor, thank you for your contribution this evening. Uh, you're still listening to Law Focus, and I'm a guardian of the law. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. You are still tuned here at your point of legal information, and this is where we bring you legal arguments straight to your ear. We are in the context of Bramfontein, and I'm in this studio trying to provide you with legal knowledge. As of today, the Parliament is calling on the public to send written submissions on the review of the Constitution to allow expropriation of land without compensation. So there is a joint constitutional review committee that has been mandated by the National Assembly to propose amendments where applicable. So we have the chairperson of the joint constitutional review committee, Mr. Vincent Smith, who are speaking to the SABC uh, this morning. And this is what he had to say. Well, in the main, we are asking for submissions from the public on Section 25. And the question that they need to answer is, does Section 25 in its current form inhibit the land uh, reform project? If not... That's fine. If it does, what amendments would they like us to 
effect on Section 25 of the Constitution. Those that argue that Section 25 in its current form is fine would need to explain why. And those that argue that we need to strengthen it by being very explicit around the issue of expropriation without compensation would need to put that argument forward. And then um, we will take that back to the National Assembly for the National Assembly to take the final decision. There is a constitutional requirement for us to consult broadly. So what we have done is uh, we've asked for written submissions. That is in all the major newspapers. Advert will be out. And that advert asks for written submissions. The deadline is the end of May this year. Over and above that, the committee will be going to all the provinces and spending at least three days per province where we will have uh, community meetings, town hall meetings, where we will also engage with South Africans around what they think should be the amendments, if any. Um, and and there was there was uh, Vincent Smith there speaking about how how they are going to be dealing with the process. But w- one of the fundamental things to take home there is that he he's saying that w- the question that needs to be answered is how is Section Twenty Five itself inhibiting the land reform project? And you will connect that with with my conversation with Jackie. Um, and he's also speaking about how why there's a need to be explicit about expropriation without compensation. Uh, that will also connect with my conversation with Jackie. But he goes on later to speak about balances. Um, let's hear what he has to say. It's 25 years, in my view, too late. Uh, it's about the restoration of the dignity of South Africans. But at the same time, we need to ensure that we do not threaten food security. Agricultural productivity is enhanced rather than inhibited. So it's really sensitive. Uh, and we can only appeal to South Africans to engage in a sober frame of mind without any hysteria. But uh, we will do our best to make sure that it's balanced. We will return to Parliament with the views of all South Africans and not our own views. Every view is important. Uh, and we encourage that already South Africans of different persuasions are having their own internal debates and discussions, religious uh, business and so on. So by the time we get out to the communities, there would be a sense of what communities want. And let me reassure all South Africans that all views are important. All will be taken seriously. I think that in the beginning it, it, it raised some sort of anxiety, but I think South Africans are beginning to debate it in a more mature fashion, and we will get a sense when we go out. But it's a necessary discussion. It cannot be postponed any longer. So uh, we're going to have to put our anxieties aside and do what is in the best interest of South Africans. Frustration levels will only increase if we don't address this. We were going out to South Africans up until the end of July, hopefully, and in August we must then go back to Parliament. So there will be opportunity until at least mid-July for oral submissions in the various provinces. After we've reported to Parliament, hypothetically, if there needs to be a change to the constitutional provisions, then of course that has to be affected by the relevant portfolio committee that would then change Section 25. Uh, thereafter, the legislation that would then facilitate expropriation without compensation would have to be uh, enacted. Currently there is a bill that was sent to the president and returned because of the questions around constitutionality. That will then be that will then be either strengthened or reintroduced. Uh, but ours is just to go back to parliament and say there must be an amendment, somebody else will do the actual amendment and then the legislation would have to be put into place for it to be actioned. It leadership there. I mean, Vincent Smith always likes to come situations down. I remember even when there was an inquiry into the SABC, he was the guy who was coming everything down and saying, no, we are actually mature about the situation. Um, but fundamentally, he's speaking about the restoration of dignity. You know, it lies at the very core of what Julius Malema is arguing for, that we need to find dignity for our people. But that cannot be done hastily, you know. We need to be very systematic, careful, Um so that we don't place precedents that which we're not going to be able to uphold um, in the future. Um, he also mentions how we, there's a need to balance the need, uh, food security and restore, like I said, restore the dignity of the people, but also maintain the market as it is. Um, these are these are the fundamental lessons from what uh, Vincent Smith is saying. Um, 
we we've we've had a very interesting discussion this evening. We we have listened to Julius Malema speaking about how we continue to be a conquered nation, and then we've had to listen to Maimani actually speaking on a totally different t- tone and tenor, saying that in actual fact we should be focusing on other things. We should be focusing on how to make le- the land reform. A project work we should be focusing on how to remove the scourge of corruption in our in our, in our government and whereas Cyril Ramaphosa is saying no that doesn't make sense in actual fact there is a need to 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 amend section 25 uh, so that we expropriate land without compensation we've also spoken to professor at length about what section 25 provides us as a as a basket of goods it provides us with uh, with with um, uh, factors in section uh, section 253 about how to determine um, compensation and one of the factors that she mentioned is that if maybe you have a farmer that has been farming in South Africa for the past 40 years and in the first 20 years this farmer has been getting uh, systematic assistance uh, in the form of subsidies that is maybe this farmer has been getting 3 million, 2 million, 1 million you get what I'm saying every month or every year until until a point where they were now able to, to sustain themselves so therefore when you expropriate this this farmer's um farm you would have to factor that in and you'd have to decrease it from the market value so in that sense you're not paying hefty compensation and if you were to to do it to do it systematically and and and, and carefully you would even get as far as zero compensation now th- that is not my view. That is Jackie Dugard's view, and and, and I'm, from where I'm sitting, Rovoga's listener, I think um, I'm as persuaded as you are about it. Um, one of the things that also Jake, uh, Professor Jackie Dugard mentioned is how lend, first the, the fact that the door is closed on previously dis- dispossessed, and she also made it clear the doctrinal element of previously dis- dis- dispossessed and disadvantaged. These are two different aspects. Previously dispossessed are those who have actually government took land away from, um, according to to the Natives Land Act in 1913 and the Black Administration Act later on, right? So from 1913 or so, many people were dispossessed of their land legally, that is using systematic um, tools. Now, those those have the power to claim under Section uh, 25.7. And then there are those who have been disadvantaged by the system itself, and and that is another open debate. And she's arguing that in actual fact, if you have a robust and radical government, you can still be able to expropriate and still p- pay no compensation. Uh, she makes a very a strong argument in that regard. Uh, we also listened to the chairperson of the Joint Constitutional Review Committee telling us how this is going to pan out. And hopefully people will get their justice. Um, from our producer, Ms. Bulali Diakobu, uh, from our technical production, Kutlonu uh, Gwinch Serami, from me, Basil Sharinda, it's law, it's serious. Good evening. Law Focus on Volvang 88.1 Point of Information. Law Focus, handing you your rights. Law Focus Podcast.